Hey guys, check out Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp, a fully updated second edition, reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. To pick up a copy today, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we are traveling to one of the most stunningly beautiful wine lands in the world, the Valle d'Osta, to meet my guests Elena and Eleonora Scherer of Le Cret Winery located just outside of Aosta. Good morning, Ellen and Eleonora. How are you today? I hope it's a beautiful day, but I wonder if you've been suffering the really severe weather that's been passing through northern Italy. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. Actually, it's not so good weather. It's rainy day, it's rainy. But we had a good weather in the last period, so we are happy to see the rain because the vineyard really need water in this period. Since uh, we have passed a long period without seeing uh, any water from the sky, now we are happy. We fortunately here in Valdaosta, we have a specific geographic situation which is different from the rest of Italy. And, uh, and so we are lucky because we uh, had rain during the spring but not so much, and it was really good for our land. Since we are living a disaster right now in Emilia-Romagna, fortunately here is a total different situation. Okay, well, that's very good to hear. I know that the Giro d'Italia has been passing through or is due to pass through heading up towards the Gran San Bernardo Colle, and the race is going through, but I think that they've had to cut that short because of the snow. Is there still snow in the high mountains around you? Yeah, temperatures are really low in this day. So in the mountains, we have snow, <laughs> like winter. <laughs> yeah. For our listeners, uh, Ellen and Eleonora, can you describe the beauty of where you are? Because it's so different from wine country that we consider. We're in the high Alps with Monte Bianco behind you, the snow-covered Alps, and we're really at some of the highest vineyards in Italy. Describe the Valle d'Osta and the viticulture. In Valle d'Osta, there is a really specific geographic situation. We are surrounded by the Alps, and especially we see Mont Blanc Hill um, Mountain, which is the highest Alp in Europe, and we are really close to France and Switzerland and uh, Piemonte. As I was saying before, we are surrounded by the Alps and the weather is different from the weather of the rest of Italy. We have uh, here in Val d'Aosta um, a really few of uh, rain usually 
during the year. We talk about uh, an average of 600 millimeters per year. If you think Valdosta, you can compare it to Basilicata for uh, concerning the rain, which is a region in the south of Italy. That's why the mountain protects us from the perturbation coming from north of Europe. That's really good for viticulture because we have a lot of wind and that's good for the grape. Causes like medium and oidium cannot uh, really uh, grow that much well, with this weather. And talking about soils where uh, grapes grow, we have granitic matter and our vineyard grows on glacial teeth and in some areas also on alluvial sands. And that characterizes the production of the wine, of course. We'll return to the the conditions in just a minute, but I just want to touch on some of the historical influences. Now, your name is a French name, Jarrère, and I think your family originally came from France. But of course, in the 18th century, Haute-Savoie was part of the Kingdom of Sardinia, I guess, under the Savoia. So we didn't have the frontiers that we have today. Tell us a little bit about your family story and about this area historically. Valdosta is uh, located along the Via Francigena, which is a strategic way for the connection between Italy, between Rome and the north of Europe. That's why here in Valdosta we can find a lot of grapes coming from abroad. We are rich in autochthonous grapes, but also international and traditional grapes. And that's really interesting because in the past we had a lot of exchanges concerning the grape varieties. For example, with Switzerland, with the French, with the Piedmont, um, depending on different historical periods. For example, well, our viticulture here in Italy came from the Roman Empire. So uh, we talk about 2,000 years ago. But it is really interesting to see uh, how during Middle Ages there was a really preservation of uh, vegetal materials for grapes. And uh, it, it is really important also to see uh, how along the Via Francigena, we imported, for example, the Tiffer Vin, which is traditional grape now in Val d'Aosta. And it is a, um, an interesting grape to vinify today uh, in different ways. Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. That's interesting because the Francigena, this pilgrims went from Canterbury in England across northern Europe, entering into Italy and descending down to Aosta, was a great thoroughfare of exchange of ideas as well as products. So you're saying that some of these grape varieties, such as Petit Arvine, uh, that's grown quite widely in Switzerland, isn't it? Yeah, Petit Arvine takes his origin in Switzerland in um, close to Sion, uh, in the area that we call Valais. We know that uh, recent studies about the DNA have demonstrated that uh, Petit Arvine has no any other brother like a grape. So is a specific a grape born in Switzerland. And it is also interesting uh, to see how, how that grape 
was really able to adapt it himself to the valet, which is similar to Val d'Aosta for uh, some way concerning the, the weather. I, I was uh, reading about uh, Petit Arvin origin, and uh, it is also interesting to see uh, the name of Arvin came from the Latino Advena, which means came from abroad. It means that uh, that kind of traditional grave in Switzerland arrived from abroad, maybe, who knows? <laughs> uh, but we have uh, some description of the grave uh, during 17th century. Uh, so we, we know that uh, it was uh, already cultivated in that period. We suppose uh, in Valle d'Aosta, Vegetarian uh, was important in uh, the first century, the first millennium uh, after Christ. That's why we consider it a traditional grave here in Valle d'Aosta. Okay, so it's been there for a thousand years almost. Incredible. But it's also important to point out, as you have done, that viticulture was brought to the Valle d'Osta by the Romans, Aosta being a Roman city. I guess it would have been a city that was a gateway to northern Europe, as it still is now. It was more before, maybe, than now. But yet, it's a kind of crossing uh, the war. We can consider it uh, like a heart of Europe, because uh, we are a transition connecting two points, the south and the north of Europe. And that's why we are so rich concerning... Uh, I, I talk about uh, viticulture, of course, and that's why we have uh, so rich different varieties here in that small area. And you have to take into consideration that Alta Valley is the smallest region of Italy. So, you know, we are talking about being a center of Europe, but we are the smallest region existing in Italy. We have produced 500 uh, acres, uh, which means uh, like about 1,200 acres of vineyards in all the Alta Valley. Okay, so it's a tiny, tiny wine region, and I think that's why it can be difficult for people to find the wines of Valle d'Osta unless they visit the area, because there just is not that much wine, is there? I mean, it's kind of cradle protected by the mountains. You know, you have to imagine Alta Valley like a niche. We are lucky today if we talk about the market, because what market is looking for is uh, niche products. So we produce niche wines. And in some way, even if we are small, we can say we are Lecrets and uh, we produce here quality and crafted wines that are well known in Italy and abroad in some way, even if the production is really small. Of course. Well, I think you're right uh, that consumers today are looking for, for wines that are unique and have unique flavors that you just don't find anywhere else. And this alpine situation of Valle d'Osta, uh, with quite a fierce sun by day and large range of temperature between day and night, does produce wines that have a really alpine, unique personality and character. Let's talk about a few of your most important wines, because you produce sparkling, white, rosé, and red wines. So it's a full range of wines. Let's just talk about perhaps one more white. I think your Chardonnay has won many awards, and perhaps also mention some of the typical red wines. Uh, yes, I let Eleonora talk uh, about uh, Chardonnay and some wines we produce. Just uh, I would like to introduce uh, Alta Valle Terroir as a mountain terroir. 
which means uh, practice, practicing heroic viticulture, which is characterized by, by extreme condition, as we were saying before. Uh, so just uh, some points uh, to consider. Vineyards in high altitude, so all the vineyards we cultivate uh, start from about uh, 1,600 feet and reach the maximum altitude uh, up to about 4,000 feet, which is very high, which means that we have to afford permanent structural difficulties like steep slopes with more than 30% gradient, terraces, steps, and uh, the vineyard in general are divided in little parcels. The slopes uh, are not easily accessible, that means uh, little mechanization. So all the work is done by hand and means uh, intensive manual labor. If you, if you consider that we plow uh, the labor hours per hectare in a range between uh, 1,200 to 1,600 hours per hectare, which is the triple than the Italian average, with very low returns because of the condition, the climate condition, and with the seasonal weather changes, we got a lot of influences on the hills because we have low hills and uh, that are more constant. So we have a very variable production that ranges between 10,000 cases and 25 or 30,000 cases more. It's really difficult producing and cultivating this area. Okay, I think that's a really important point uh, for our listeners to understand heroic viticulture really cultivating vines at extreme conditions that are incredibly labor-intensive. And yet the work, the dedication, and the passion to continue to do this results in some wonderful wines. Let's hear about some of those wines. Our most important wine, say important because it's a part of the story or the character, is our Chardonnay Cue de Bois. So it's a 100% Chardonnay. Uh, is a Burgundy selection. And Cuvée Bois, it means in French, uh, Bois uh, Oak, so because uh, this wine is uh, vinified and aged in uh, barrique, in 300 liters barrique. So there is a strict contact with, with the oak for one year. And after that, there is still one more year of aging in bottle. That means that the result is really important Chardonnay. But the important things to say is that uh, is a well-balanced Chardonnay. There is a perfect combination between the fruit, the grape, and uh, the oak. So the warm side of the oak and the fresh side of a grape grown in the mountains. And I guess it's a wine that, uh, even if it is Agent Nook, can really express the terroir of origin. I had a chance to sample this beautiful wine at Vinitaly, and it's exactly how you're describing it, Eleonora. This, it's a powerful wine, but yet it has the delicacy and the precision and the freshness of the high mountains. Uh, it's a beautiful expression of Chardonnay, quite like unlike Chardonnay produced anywhere else in Italy. Appreciate that you enjoyed it. I'd like to talk about an autochthonous grape because Licorette um, was born at the beginning working on the autochthonous varieties. Our father, Costantino, which is the founder of Licorette, had the chance to select some plants of Fumen that was an uh, extinction uh, risk. Uh, was saved from extinction. Yeah, yeah okay. 
part of my English sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my father and uh, other viticulture vine growers were able to save it from the extinction. That's why for me it's really important. Fiumen is a red wine, 100% from that variety, which uh, is uh, fermented in a stainless steel and then aged in oak for nine months, one year. It's really interesting because uh, it's an expression of a personality that cannot be compared with, with any other wine. Uh, we have spices, we have a great character. You can feel uh, juice in, on the palate, soft tannins. Uh, uh, you can find the juniper that grows in the house. <laughs> and it is really interesting uh, if you want to taste something really connected to the Yes, a, a wine that really is expressing the uniqueness of the wines of Valle d'Osta. Speaking of these wines, can you say something, tell us something about the gastronomy of Valle d'Osta and how your wine fit, pair naturally so well with the local foods? I like Eleonora because uh, she is sommelier, so oh. she can put the good advice. Uh, and I'm also a wine and food lover, so which is important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. Awesome Valley food is really characterized by having uh, a lot of uh, butter, of uh, fat coming from cheese, because cow farming is uh, important for the, the local economy. So we can talk about the Fontina cheese, is a, a geographic appellation of cheese. This is good to pair, for example, with our Chardonnay Cube de Bois. One of my favorite dishes during winter time, during winter season, is fonduta from Val d'Aosta, which is a fontina cheese melted and maybe with uh, some truffle on the top and, and a glass of uh, chardonnay, <laughs> maybe close to a fire. <laughs> this is a, a nice image in the situation. Concerning, for example, the, the red wine, the female, I think about the pairing uh, with game, which is common for our region. So it's still an area where people are hunting in the mountains and in the woods. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, finally, I just would like to talk about wine hospitality at Le Crete, and I'd also like to learn about this wonderful Rifugio Divino that you have created, this wonderful place where wine lovers can discover the wines of Le Crete and really enjoy being in the mountains. We build a refugio del vino, that means wine hut, that is uh, our tasting room, born in uh, 2016, and close to, next to the historic winery, our historic winery, it is connected to the winery, to the old winery, and we build the refugio, uh, the wine hub, uh, because we wanted to welcome people uh, and we found that the best way to do it and to show our philosophy and sound and so on was to to make people discover who uh, we are. We made it uh, thanks to the wine hub, uh, evoking uh, um, the structural architecture of the mountains. So as we said before, we are in a cradle protected by the mountains and then we are talking about uh, high altitudes and uh, we wanted to, in some way, to build uh, an architecture uh, meant to protect the wine as a food and uh, heritage of the mountain terroir. 
And at the same time, a structure that will be able to welcome people and to show people our world in some way. The wine app has a profile that reminds the mountain chains because we call the crests that in French means crests. So the crest of the mountains. And the crest of the mountains became the symbol of our brand. Also, the Fugio del Vino identifies our brand and who we are in this terroir. It looks so beautiful from the pictures. It looks stunningly modern, yet so perfectly in keeping with where you are in the mountains. As you say, the shape reflecting the mountains, the glass giving such a beautiful viewpoint over the valley. So uh, it's somewhere... Oh, I can't wait to visit. Do you get visitors still walking along the French region, I wonder? Yeah, sometimes, yeah, and we have a lot of uh, people uh, visiting from, uh, actually from everywhere, because they come from Italy, they come from France, from Switzerland, we are glad uh, to, to welcome them uh, at the refugio. I would say as well for visitors from the UK, perhaps, when I've driven to Italy, I normally drive through the Mont Blanc Tunnel and descend down through Aosta, so we're really passing right by the Rifugio when we drive down or drive back up, returning to northern Italy. So it's actually very well situated on this historic route, this route that dates back to the Romans and certainly through the Middle Ages along the French Egena. The next time I'm driving into Italy, I will without doubt stop and uh, look forward to visiting the wine hut and meeting you both and exploring your wines further, which I love. But in the meantime, I'd just like to thank you both for being my guest today. It's been really fascinating learning about viticulture, heroic viticulture in the Valle d'Osta and the wines, the wonderful wines of Les Crêtes and your family story. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you all for the patience and for listening our body English. <laughs> Not at all. Your English is perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye bye for now. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food, and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.